Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, this is Josh Marshall, and this is the Josh Marshall Podcast. We are, this was supposed to be a post-Iowa, we're going to chew over the results and, and, and talk about what happened and who's, who is bringing momentum into New Hampshire and all that kind of stuff. Now, obviously, you know that we had this, this just bizarre thing happen last night where the election kind of broke. Yeah. Um, and, and still is broken. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, we're we're recording this a few minutes after noon on uh, Tuesday, and so far we at least have do we do we have still literally no. Um, I think there are no or? official results. A still. whopping zero percent last I checked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so who knows what is happening with that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What can you say? It, it, what can you say? It's 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 just sort of. Uh, it's it's just surreal, especially yeah. because you had this thing a few days before, two or three days before. Um, Iowa is many states have one sort of signature poll, like in California, it's the field poll. That's the sort of the signature poll, like that's when people pay attention to. Uh, there's a poll, uh, Marquette University Law School, Charles Franklin does that one in Wisconsin, and and Iowa has the uh, uh, DMR, I guess now they're partnering with CNN. It's the Des Moines Register, Des Moines yeah. Register poll, and it's, it's I forget her first name, it's it's done by this woman whose last name is Seltzer, Seltzer and right. Company, mm-hmm. something like that. And that is the poll. That's the poll everybody pays attention to. It's consistently... It comes out on the Sunday before the caucus or something yeah, like well, that? Yeah, well, they do them over time, but they yeah. do a final one that's, you know, day before right. or two mm-hmm. days before, something like that. And uh, this time, I guess it was going to come out Saturday night. And at the last minute, they say, you know what? We can't release it. And the reason <laughs> was that I, I, I'm not sure I got the complete story. It at least started with one of the, rep- one of the respondents to the poll somehow, I don't know if they got in touch with the Buttigieg campaign or somehow it, it sort of bubbled up that the questioner, you know, the person who calls you when you're when you're responding to the poll, I think didn't include Buttigieg's name. Um, and once that or, or I think didn't include it, yeah. not mispronounced it. And then I, I I think they investigated it more. And I don't know if they found other cases where his name hadn't been included, or whether they just couldn't rule out that it was a broader thing. And recognizing that it is because it is seen as so accurate, it is also highly influential. If you see a couple days before that your candidate is crashing and burning, maybe you're just not going to want to, you know, take the time to go to the to you know spend your night at at the caucus, and therefore it it skews the results. So they didn't release the poll. Now, actually, I think 
during the caucus last night, they I'm not sure if it was officially released or if it was leaked. Yeah, but the it came numbers out, were leaked. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, but at that point, it's sort of it's not going to affect anything. Yeah. So whatever. The doors are closed. So it was this bizarre, like sort of premonition or foreshadowing yeah, of what absolutely. happened. I mean, like literally, that's sort of like, <laughs> like the, the other... poll actually was proven right. With the, uh, yeah. No one yeah, is winning. In the sense, well, thing. the sense that it just canceled. Yeah, or exactly. Kind of. There's no results. Yeah. So uh, it's just. It's just very weird, and um, you know, many of us think, and I certainly include myself in this list, that there shouldn't be caucuses. Mm-hmm. They're a bad idea. They are they are anti democratic. Uh, they make it hard for people to participate. I think I saw something last night that that someone was saying. This sounded pretty low to me. That that turnout for the Iowa caucus is like ten or fifteen percent. Um, I don't know if that's 10 or 15 percent. I think the, of the numbers we saw today, it was either around the 2016 levels or low or a bit lower than what 2016 was. Right. Well, I know there's a separate sort of discussion about that they are at least in the ballpark of 2016, but not 2008, which was very high. Mm-hmm. And, and some people are saying that that's a bad sign for Democrats, lack of enthusiasm. I yeah. actually think that's wrong I, for a, a very specific reason. Uh, but it is... When, when they say 15%, I don't know if that means of the whole population, which obviously it's only for Democrats. So, But in any case, do you, you know, it's hard enough to vote. This means you have to go and spend a night in a gymnasium with some of your neighbors and some randos you don't <laughs> yeah. know and go and, and talk about who you support and get the other people's supporters like kind of like hassling you to switch to. The, it's it's why people I mean, aren't into that. And on top of it, it's just the visuals are so silly, you know, because it's just like adults kind of scuttling around a gym, like running to different corners. Yeah, coins are tossed in some cases right. to break and the tie. You know, and... like chants, like, yeah. you know, I saw one of the Biden people in one precinct were non-viable and they started doing, you know, like Pete, Pete, Pete to try to get the Buddha judge people to come over to them. And the whole thing is just so like high school feeling yeah. and so you already had all that and all the criticism because you're like in some cases literally in a high school totally in a lot of cases i think right. that's probably the preponderant thing you're yeah. at a local high school right. like basketball that has the biggest space something like all right that. well let's take care of a little bit of business before we get too far down the road and just to for our listeners uh you might hear another voice you don't recognize as well oh. we have matt schumann in the studio Hi. how are you shoe him oh sorry. yeah shoe no, him. i take it both ways um <laughs> you were up late with us last night too so we're yeah, glad to have you here fun times <laughs> totally. Well, remember that uh, Grady's Cold Brew Ice Coffee is the sponsor of the Josh Marshall Podcast. You asked and they delivered. Brew it yourself with Grady's New Orleans-style coarse ground coffee blend designed to work in any cold or hot coffee maker. One bag makes 24 servings of Grady's Cold Brew exactly the way you want it. Order online and receive 16 ounces of their famous blend of 100% Arabica beans and French chicory in a resealable pouch for long-lasting freshness. Ready to give it a swirl? Get 20% off your first order at Grady'sColdBrew.com with promo code TPM. Or if you need it really quick, you can order Grady's at Amazon.com for next day delivery. It's days like these that we are grateful for Grady's yeah, sponsorship, yeah, right? Yeah, total sponsorship and, and, and supply. Exactly, the supply, <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's it's really great stuff. I, I, uh, I've... I've I've been a Grady's addict since long before they were our sponsors, yes. so that's totally <laughs> legit. So, Kate, take us through the evening a little bit. Um, the caucuses were held in the evening, I guess, around 8 p.m. Eastern time, 7 p.m. local time. The doors closed, right, mm-hmm. which means 
you know, you if you're in line, you're good. You can get in and participate. If you're not, it's sort of you miss your chance. You get to uh, be an observer. That's your <laughs> consolation prize. We were expecting to wait a couple hours before results trickled in, but obviously that didn't happen. Just take us through a little bit of kind of like right. how the night unfolded. Right. So doors close at 8, and that's kind of when you see how bad cable news is at covering the caucuses. And it's not really their fault. I mean, they're almost 2,000 precincts and then satellite, um, you know, little campuses. But so they've got their anchors kind of spread out in different precincts and they're running around and, you know, breaking down the drama of each tiny little pocket that doesn't matter so much overall. But, you know, how else are you going to cover it? So we're kind of seeing that frenetic energy and people are making kind of wildly presumptive statements, you know, like uh, Biden support is collapsing, which I mean, maybe, but this one precinct is in a college campus. You know, you've just got no idea. But did you guys strike? I, I was only watching CNN. I don't know if you guys That's were like, what, what we were. Okay. Mm -hmm. But at least the CNN, like most of them were at college campus. Totally. Like, yeah, they're all like were... around Des Moines. It seemed like. yeah. Right. Exactly. And, 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 you know, we still don't know what happened. I think it is, it seems like at least that it was something kind of like a tie between Buttigieg and Sanders. Mm -hmm. And the reason we have some sense of this is that the more organized campaigns, they've got a person, you know, I don't know if they, they've, they're using an app, but they've got a person there mm -hmm. who's reporting it to their people to know all that kind of stuff. So the campaign should have a rough sense. Yeah, I think uh, Sanders was the first to release their internals okay, as so well. I, right, yeah. okay. So the, um, and, and generally speaking, Biden didn't do well. It seems it, at least some of these, you know, kind of unofficial things make it seem like maybe he's third or fourth, but they're kind of all clumped together. But when you're watching the sort of the CNN, like, oh man, like one Biden dude is here, <laughs> totally. like five thousand Sanders people are here, yeah. like, and you're like, dude, you're at like Drake University. Come yeah. on, this well, is not um, like right. a representative there was, uh, there was one of those scenes wherever Jake Tapper was that it was striking to me. He was like, you know, I mean, one precinct, but uh, all I'm saying is the Yang Gang here is bigger than the support for an eight year. <laughs> vice president and no, I, was like, I, I saw that yeah <laughs> Come yeah on. yeah no and there was there was did you see that one thing where they it was it was tapper too he had a a woman who was coxing for klobuchar mm. and um and he's sort of like you know she's pumped and everything mm -hmm. and it's it, it was another example of you know people do not follow sort of political science rules she's like yeah klobuchar but like my second is warren like okay like right. what is how does that make sense and and but he starts in like okay look klobuchar's toast what are you doing after you know mm -hmm. once and and you're like dude what what what, what do you what do you yeah what are you it's doing still happening here? yeah and the, i think there's also um something we were kind of commenting on being in the newsroom last night is there something so personal about the way they do this that the anchors go up to you know this like paltry mm -hmm. group of people and they're like you know you backed the wrong horse. Like, what now? You know? <laughs> and speaking of the undemocratic nature of these caucuses and the extent to which polls can affect them, if you see that a candidate is tanking ahead of time, not only do you not want to be attached to a losing race, you don't want to be on camera with Jake Tapper asking you about the candidate you're supporting that's losing right in front of it's you. It's almost like he's, like, bringing a sad trombone with him. <laughs> yeah. Like, they keep going, like, oh, check out the masses of Warren supporters. And then they go, and look over here. <laughs> and it's like, you know, like, three sad dudes yeah. sitting there for Buttigieg it was on a little little high school basketball thing like dude check dude. out these <laughs> it was funny there was yeah. a there was a news photo I think on Getty um, of like one lone Michael Bennett supporter <laughs> on a folding chair in like 
what otherwise looked like just no one else around him. No, it's like total shaming. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, we had like that flurry of activity. And I think we were kind of expecting to get at least a first wave of results around 11 or so. Yeah. That would be enough time to tabulate. I was kind of, yeah, I was kind of assuming that, okay, it's it's slow to to report. There were statements or indications that the Iowa Democratic Party were doing quality controls. Not a great sounding uh, statement in the midst of, you know, a major election, but we thought, okay, they're just trying to be careful. And then we'll hopefully get kind of like a rush of data and that will sort of start to um, right. to weren't make they, things clear. Weren't but, they expecting it to at least start to come in or like, more like 10? Because the, the, the weirdness on cable started like between like 10 and 10 15 well, they're like uh, uh yeah i uh, mean uh, nate cone from the new york times uh tweeted i think around 11 that in 2016 we had 80 percent of the results by then so maybe 11 right. was more like when it we can start to call gone. it yeah, yeah that makes sense and that the nature sense. of these caucus sites is some of them have 10 people and those are pretty easy to report like the right. new york times had a running tally I think it was their own numbers of just what their reporters saw or what the precincts they were in touch with were reporting. And those early numbers did favor Buttigieg because of that. These are rural, small precinct sites that maybe favor some of the more uh, conservative. So when those numbers didn't start coming in officially, it started to become more of a problem. And you heard as well with the um, hotline that the party had set up to deal with problems with this app they were using that those initial phone calls is when they realized it was a problem. If, if it's 8.30 and it's been 30 minutes and the 10-person precinct is calling into that hotline, that's going to be a problem when the 300-person precinct tries right. to call into that hotline because it's going to be a right. two-hour wait at that point. Josh, right. you, that makes sense. you that clipped makes that sense. video of um, one of the precinct captains <laughs> calling into oh Wolf God. Blitzer's show. Tell us about that. So... <laughs> so this guy, I don't know, you know who he is exactly, but he's a precinct captain somewhere in the state. And he had got some attention on Twitter because he had said, look, this is a mess. I'm just going to tweet out my results because, you know, the information should be out there. Somehow or another, uh, CNN gets him on the phone. He's talking to Wolf Blitzer. He explains basically, which was very informative, like the trajectory of events. Basically, the app that they had set up to report these did not work. Once the app was not working, the message was, all right, call in. But when you called in, you sat on hold for an hour. Um, and, you know, they clearly had not really prepared for the app not to work. Probably like one person there trying to field, I think it's like literally 1,700 caucuses. So he's sitting there. He's like, oh, yeah, I've been, you know, talking to Wolf. I've been on the phone for, I've been on hold for an hour. And he goes, oh, my God, this is so weird. Just as I'm, I, I, I got on the phone with you, they're here. I got to go, Wolf. And then here, like, so basically in the time he updated wolf on what was happening they hung up on him yeah and so it was just like it was just i mean perfect in the sense of like perfectly awful (laughs) yeah definitely yeah so i say around that time it became very clear that something was wrong we had nothing to report and you know you saw that panic play out on the networks who are expecting to have numbers to talk about and precincts to break down and suddenly have X number of hours of empty air to fill, which is when Amy Klobuchar decided to kind of give a speech. You know, she definitely hedged, you know, we'll get to Pete Buttigieg's, but she hedged it more and was kind of like, we don't know the results yet. We do know we're punching above our weight, kind of a safe thing to say. And then thanked the supporters and kind of, you know, onwards to New Hampshire kind of thing. And since she was the first to do that, she got wall-to-wall coverage. They carried her whole speech because... There was nothing else to show. Yeah, even well, Fox, also she, Fox she, News, which wasn't really 
going wall to wall on caucus right. coverage, right? Obviously, yeah. it's a Democratic contest. And I guess we can say just to uh, give a full picture, Trump won the Republican <laughs> caucus. Congrats, congrats to him. Um, yeah, it was on every network, including C-SPAN. I mean, the whole speech. She right. also had body language. She didn't overstate anything. She didn't claim to mm-hmm. have won. She, again, she made this very general punch above her weight. Well, she's like the like number eight candidate. So mm-hmm. that's, you know, probably so. But she had a body language like, I killed it. It's yeah. like she looked like if you had... If if you had watched the whole evening with without the volume on, you would have said, "Okay, you know they everybody caucused, surprise finish." Amy Klobuchar <laughs> killed it. She won. She came out. Everybody else did so bad they didn't even give a speech because yeah. they were humiliated. Yeah, and she just it, and it was smart. It was really smart because, I, I, frankly, I would have. I'm, I'm. I mean, I guess after she did, pretty much everybody Everyone did immediately, immediately did. after. But I was surprised that she was the. He was, she was the first, but I guess the others were like for Sanders. He's thinking like, man, I think I won. Right. So I really need these. He things. wanted to give a victory yeah, speech. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So yeah, they all came out after her. The Nets were um, less generous with the rest of the speeches. Cut, uh, were more willing to cut away. Warren you, and Biden spoke at the same time. That was right. sort of a challenge. Right. Yeah, and then Sanders, and then you know when Buttigieg gives his speech, I was just really taken aback because he just. He took his victory speech and he just read it. You know, he said, like, we've shocked the nation. You know, he was kind of employing some Obama esque. Yeah, it's like Iowa cadence. has shocked the nation. Well, not wrong. But right, which is the tweet reasons. that everyone ran with. But yeah, so he just delivers his prepared victory speech, which just felt so odd in that moment where all of these, you know, this vote panic is happening. And as just anyone who's watching, you're just kind of like, we don't have any results. You don't know that you won. And I'm like, I honestly thought the speech was good, but the moment was so weird that. I think the speech would have been, it was, it was a totally scripted speech. Mm-hmm. Which I don't think is great in the context, but it would have been, it probably would have been a good speech for him if he had won. Right. But the fact that he hadn't won or we had no idea what happened made it seem weird to me. And, and there was, I don't know if, I don't know if you guys had this sense and, and look, these are, these are superficialities, but the lighting was weird. It had this, like, the, the, somehow there was something about, it looked like he was in some, like, cavernous space, like, you know, I, <laughs> spe- like a speech to the Reichstag or something. Like, <laughs> it, it just, it, it, it had a weird feel to and it. And then, I mean, for to give the Buttigieg camp, you know, a little bit of sympathy, I guess. I mean, this was his contest, right? Like, this is the one that he's been pulling in better than anywhere else, like, this was the night that he really has to a perform well and b capitalize on that performance and try to move the momentum forward. Yep, yep. And he had, I mean, they all did, but he had that night totally scuttled. And because we're currently in, and he may have won, right? We don't know he did, but it's possible. Either he you know, either he won, won or was a close Very second. I mean, that's second. a good yeah. night. Yeah. Yeah. And of, since we're in like the craziest month of politics right now, it's just. I mean, I do feel for them in that. When else was he going to give the speech? You know, tonight we've got the State of the Union. New Hampshire's now in less in a week no one's going to care about Iowa in a few days so I do understand that they were like this was going to be his moment and it was ruined but the just going headlong with the victory speech did feel weird so yeah Buttigieg on CNN this morning uh hedged slightly more he said yeah it was an amazing night it seems like we did great um it was like a victory for the campaign just the fact that he performed well or things went well I mean so it was sort of like and the 
I think John Berman, the CNN anchor, was like, oh, so there's nothing like no official results you're going off of when you say that, right? And he was like, no, nothing official from the party, nothing that you wouldn't have otherwise mm -hmm. heard about. So and he did, I, I imagine inside the Buttigieg camp, they said, okay, when are these results going to come out? And maybe there was some, you know, some guess of, okay, maybe four or five in the morning, they'll finish counting these and it'll show that we were maybe 23 to Bernie's 27, which for Buttigieg, it, I mean, if that, anything like that, it would be a, a very strong showing considering the polling leading up to this. And then as the hours ticked on and that didn't happen, it was just uh, kind of left out in the wind. You know? Right. It's no, a, that's it's a, a good move, point. But, and I guess the hope know. is that if the results did come out, you know, in the small hours of the morning, everyone was already as who was asleep for a speech was still asleep for then for the numbers. And then the morning package is here are our numbers snippet of Pete's speech. And right. then it's not so weird. Yeah. I'll say I think your your point is right, Kate, that I mean, they have a lot of reason to be really fucking pissed. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. this is, I mean, he, it's where he invested the most, you know, time and money. He's probably the one person in that top four who needs it the most. Yep. You know, uh, Sanders doesn't have to win it. Warren doesn't have to win it. Biden certainly doesn't have to win it. But if he doesn't win it after he sort of put everything into it, that's probably, you know, that's probably it for him. So, I mean, I... I get them being like, you know, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, how could this be allowed to happen? I, I guess there's just, and it's funny. I used to, I interviewed him for my old podcast, like almost three years ago now. And I really liked him. But now it just like, there's something about that speech. It was, what is it Stacey Glick that in the, in the election, you know, that movie, the, like, do you know, guys know this? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's this, the it's, Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. And, uh, actress, yeah. and uh, the guy, Tracy, Tracy something, isn't that Tracy? The, I can't remember. In any yeah, case, yeah. Uh, it's this movie. The, in it, he seems like the, you know, uh, officious, wannabe brown noser kind of guy running for class president in high school kind of feeling and and it it that speech just had that sense and it, i think it was just um and again if you're a Buddhist supporter i'm not saying this is fair it was just my perception it it something about going out and giving the victory speech when we didn't know it just it it, it played to something that is i think a a vulnerability of his. Well, yeah. And I also think, you know, they're clearly trying to position him as the Obama of the cycle, you know, like Iowa changed the game and changed the trajectory and everything. And, you know, I agree with you. I think that Sanders and Buttigieg have the most grounds to be really, really mad at the state party. But I mean, Sanders isn't going anywhere and Buttigieg right. doesn't have such a body of support. It's interesting yeah. on the flip side, the Biden campaign Obviously, seems like we don't know what the results are, obviously, but, um, you know, they were downplaying expectations going into it. Um, Jill Biden told CNN yesterday, we just have to finish strong. And the, the correspondent was like, oh, what does that what does that look like? And she means strong means strong. Like they're not <laughs> even really sort of giving a, you know, a quantitative position or anything like that. Um, and there was a letter from the legal counsel for the Biden campaign yeah. Yeah. the state party yeah. Yeah. saying that before you release any information we need to see it and also be able to respond and then the deputy campaign manager and spokesperson was on CNN this morning again just saying that there were 
you know, real issues with the process that should concern voters. And so, you know, in a way, they have the most to gain from this right. clusterfuck, too, because it's like, well, who's to, you know, this yeah, is they all. they can just say, like, all right, I think we've seen enough. Yeah. Let's go on to South yeah. Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> on, on I mean, that. which is fine. Like, use it to your advantage. But I'm, like, deeply concerned by this inconsistencies, flawed system, like, Let's not be Trump about this. You I know? totally agree. I think any any effort to, I mean, look, it's a mess. But any effort to certainly there was a lot of like people pushing conspiracy. I mean, ironically, uh, well, maybe not ironically, kind of from the Bernie camp pushing all these cons, you know DNC conspiracy stuff. Anything like that is totally just beyond the pale. And all, but also things like just raising generic, even if you're not accusing people of of you know malign intent mm-hmm. just like oh the process is is flawed or questionable i agree that's just don't go there and the, the one thing about the caucus system is however you think about this app or about the pr strategy from the iowa democratic party the caucuses are literally the process that it's unfalsifiable because you have people in the room with cameras. You have every campaign that has their own count of every single precinct. So sure, this maybe is the results are going to come 12 hours late or it was messy overnight and cable news anchors are upset. But to, to raise questions about the results when the results are the, literally the only thing that isn't in question, right. it, it seemed opportunistic to a level that was surpassed even Buttigieg, yeah. in my opinion. I totally agree with that. And I think... If you, there are very legitimate issues to raise with the Iowa caucus system as a whole with the way things were handled last night. But this, more than anything else, is like an optics gift to Biden. Like, this is the story who won is buried under the Dems and Disarray headline. So just like go with that. There's no reason to add any deeper doubt or suspicion. You know, the party went out of their way to say this is not a result of hacking or intrusion of any kind. And as soon as we start fear-mongering about the legitimacy of elections, you know, Trump's style has permeated both parties, and that is just so deeply bad for our democracy. It was notable, though, that Biden's, the, the letter was one thing, but his speech was, you know, pretty, it was fine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the results, I, I the results. I think know. it's true. Sometimes lawyers fire off letters. You don't know quite, you know, mm-hmm. who, you know, whose idea was authorized, how it's being characterized, what the intent was, but certainly it's not, you, you shouldn't go there. I mean, I think the thing is with the, with Iowa though, and this is, this is where the, the, res, you know, quote unquote results, it's, it's a little, a little more complicated than that because Iowa as a fact is almost irrelevant. There's like no delegates. It's a tiny state. It doesn't, it's it's not a strong democratic state. So, you know, yes, the results are probably known and we will find them out in a fairly concrete point, but the importance of it right. is entirely right. the optics of the first 48 hours. It's so the starting gun of the Yeah, campaign. so if that is not clear, the results totally. in a, in a in a pretty concrete way just do not matter because mm-hmm. they're again it's not like you say well you know we had the ca- California primary and we don't know on election night so fuck it like who cares like dude the the amount of delegates is huge the amount of delegates here is minuscule so if 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 we still don't know in a couple days 
it's going to become like a footnote yeah. and, and in practice kind of doesn't. And, yeah, 538, uh, they had an article this morning that compared the delegate count in Iowa and it's versus the influence. And it said uh, Iowa was the most uh, second most important date on the calendar this year, trailing Super Tuesday. It was worth the equivalent of almost 800 delegates, about 20 times its actual number. Wow. And they, this, this cycle? Not this year, but just generally okay. they crunch the numbers for the effect it's that winning campaign. Iowa has yeah, right. on a yeah. campaign. Yeah. It's interesting. It's incredible. And it's also an argument for why Iowa should not be exactly. the first. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, in, 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 from one perspective, you can almost say, great. It should not matter at all. It's a terrible, terrible thing. Obviously, it's not the way to reform the process. You know, it's just, it is deep. I mean, it's, it's, it's really unfair. And, and one other thing besides caucuses, the thing with caucuses in most, I'm not sure in every case, but in most cases, they're not run by the state. The people who actually have an election system, it's run by the party. And it's just it, it, it's just bad because you have this thing that's evolved in this weird way where in theory, look, this is just a party function. You know, a century ago, even uh, like two centuries ago, the caucus system was a thing. The people in the party get together, you, you know, do this process. And look, it's, it's a, a, a caucus, quote unquote, is not an election, but it's evolved in a way that it's an election. We see it as an election. We give it the validity and, and legitimacy of an election. So you have this thing that is sort of masquerading as an election, but it's not an election. It's not run by the people who know how to run elections. It's just bad. But this is, again, another example that, I mean, look, obviously you have stuff like Florida and stuff, like a lot of election administration disasters, but you've never had something like this. This yeah. would not happen. <laughs> yeah. We're just like, <laughs> we just couldn't do, you know, couldn't couldn't figure it out at all. Yeah. It's just, um, it's just not a good idea to have something that is informal, that is in fact informal and in fact not one person, one vote, not we try to make it easy for people to vote as opposed to actually trying to make it harder right. for people to vote and have that kind of masquerading as having the legitimacy of an election. It's just a, it's a, it's a disconnect that all sorts of bad things flow from. Yeah. Well, before we dig further into this, let's just take a quick break. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, well, let's look ahead just a little bit. Uh, While we're recording, got a push alert on my phone that the Iowa Democrats will release the results by 5 p.m. (laughs) So just in time for... The State of the Union, I guess. Uh, Just so in time not- <laughs> for no one to celebrate it at all yeah. before Trump starts speaking. So last night, David Pluff, Obama's 2008 campaign manager, was on MSNBC, I think, saying we probably just saw the last Iowa caucus. This morning, David Axelrod, another Obama alum, um, was saying something like, I think the Iowa caucuses are dead, dead, dead. Um Josh, do you think that's true? Is this going to be the last time Iowa is the first contest of the primaries? Well, let me say first, I, I hope it's true, and that may be influencing my my perception a bit. I think it probably is. And I would say this, maybe they will be allowed to go first, but it's hard for me to imagine there won't be an overwhelming push to say, look, you can stay first, but you have to hold a primary. This caucus thing is not okay. There was already a big push after 2016 to get rid of caucuses altogether. And ironically, the sort of the the more, you know, uh, moderate Hillary faction, they were the ones who wanted to get get rid of them. And it was the, the Sanders faction who wanted to hold on to them. And so a lot of this complexity was at the behest of the Sanders uh camp in that whole process. But they're already kind of caucuses are already kind of on the ropes. And, you know, for decades, there's been this thing where everybody realizes it's not really okay that these two states that are wildly unrepresentative of the Democratic Party have this huge outsized influence. But it's always been one of these things like, okay, it's not, it's not fair, and it's not perfect. But like, you know, who's harmed exactly. It kind of seems to work. And obviously, there's always this process of no one who wants to run for president wants to be the one who said, hey, I, I think we should ditch this, this yeah. Iowa thing. <laughs> so that has held it in. But there's never been like a catalyzing thing. And this seems like a catalyzing yep. thing, like something so disastrous. That, yeah, yeah I, 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 I think this is the last. I think what's possible is, again, maybe they hold on to the first thing. But with the proviso, like, you can't do this caucus thing yeah. anymore. Um, I actually wonder if it might catalyze, like, people say, look, enough. And once you sort of scrap Iowa, why does New Hampshire get to hold on? Mm-hmm. I actually think it's possible it could sort of catalyze a bigger like, shift. Like, Nevada would make total sense as a first go around, right? I mean, it seems like a diverse state. Um, it certainly makes more sense as a place to test out a Democratic candidate than it, than either of those states do. Yeah, I mean, I saw a lot of, you know, someone threw out a question on Twitter that was like, you know, we all agree Iowa shouldn't be the first state, what should be? And a response that I kind of found compelling is, while we have the electoral college system, it should be one of the swing states. You know, why not like Pennsylvania to, you know, distinct urban centers, more kind of rural area in between, you know, something like that. But... I also think just watching the caucuses last night logistically, it was hard not to be struck by the undemocratic nature of the time constraint of that. Like, you have to get here by this time. Depending on who you choose, you can either leave early or you have to keep staying. I mean, 
you know, if you're a parent and you've yeah. got babysitters, at or some what point, if you have a night shift? Exactly. Yeah. At some point, yeah. you're going to have to be like, all right, I'm just going to pick this viable person so I can hand in my card and leave, you and, know. But also just a general argument, not even Iowa specific, against having any state in particular go first. I mean, start with the Virgin Islands and go backwards, do a raffle every year. <laughs> but the extent to which having the Iowa caucuses first affects federal policy on things like the Farm Bill, on ethanol on all of these things where it, it, it's just having this static thing every four years it, it encrusts itself in government it makes things inefficient it, it leads to corruption and i think that's an argument against having any state first i think it should be either random or a national primary day or whatever it is but any whether it's michigan or pennsylvania or florida or nevada it just doesn't seem like a good system and it seems like it, it at very least leads to the perception of the party um, doing favors for one state or being beholden to interests represented, representative well, of one well, state. I agree, I agree with you. I think locking in any state, even a more representative state, is a problem. And and Nevada is a – look, Nevada, I mean, for Democrats, Nevada is basically Las Vegas. And there's a lot of positive things there because it's a fairly diverse electorate. Um, it has a decent concentration of unions, which, is, which makes sense in, in a Democratic context. But it is obviously also dominated by the gambling industry. Yeah. And it's very easy to imagine that over time, you're, you're going to have like, you know, I don't know exactly what the casinos want, like a kind of like a subsidy for, you know, casino chips or something. But <laughs> but that's going to get locked in. Right. And yeah, I, I, I think the logical thing is to have it, you know, raffled. I mean, the thing, and this is a, the idea, Kate, at least, is that you don't want, you know, you do these tiny states, it allows for retail politicking, you know, candidates can actually meet a lot of people, and a lot of people in the state can meet the candidate. That's not really possible in a, in a, even a mid-sized state like, like Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. um, now, whether or not that is, it also kind of makes it easier for networks, because you Huge. could like it, yeah. yeah. In New Hampshire, you just kind of park in Manchester, make a few runs up to the north, what they call the North Country. There, you know, I don't know Iowa as well, but again, it's sort of made for kind of, you know, kind of kitschy civic stuff. You know, kind of in coffee shops. bedrooms yeah. and co mm -hmm. coffee yeah. shops. Um, whether that's really, you know, that's a sort of a cliche of Amer of of American electoral politics. Whether that is really whether that really matters is is not entirely clear to me. I mean, I think the best argument is that if you don't have that, it's really entirely in the hands of like a bloom. You know, basically the the, yeah. the highest funded people can just dominate it by kind of you know just doing it on TV. Um, but it is a it is a bad system, and I think maybe one of the things that that keeps it in place is that it's not entirely clear what to replace it with. Right. I wouldn't want a, fir a Florida first in the nation primary where it's four different media markets or whatever. And it's literally, yeah, it's a Bloomberg situation. Yeah. Well, that, that, and that, that, and the people, that's the same thing people talk about. If you had to be California, mm -hmm. um, I mean, you know, uh, South Carolina, there's a, obviously a strong logic to it because the African-American community is the backbone of the Democratic Party. Having said that, it is a an extremely conservative Southern state. So it it gives African-American voters a, you know, an early kind of bite at the at at the question. But 
it has that whole other issue. I mean, it's one of the most conservative states in the country. So it's 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 tough. I don't yeah. think we know and what a better solution would be. There's also just some bit of it that it like these campaigns have been in Iowa for like a year, spending all this time forging connections, getting to know the voters, and then they leave the day of the caucus. And it's kind of like those states are get that treatment every year. And I told I hear the argument of bigger states, it's all about money and everything. But I don't just imagine if those like grassroots that grassroots investment was in any other state. You know, it would just be a a different situation. There's just not time to give that treatment anywhere else because of the calendar. I think there's also another thing people don't like to talk about is that there is a um, people, and here I mean like network TV, they like the the kitsch and and the the visuals of a rural state. You know, ah, this these guys, this this bedroom, this blah 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 blah. The state fairs, so yeah, yeah, all this kind of stuff, and that's <laughs> great. But that is obviously not how most people in the country live. It's totally alien to people who you know wherever you are in the income spectrum. If you live in one of the big cities or big, you know, kind of urban conglomerations, and if you think about it, it like let's imagine, um, uh, you know, let's <laughs> let's imagine it was Pennsylvania, but it, Pennsylvania was just Philadelphia, basically <laughs> Philadelphia, you're kind of you know the the greater Philadelphia area. Um, the visuals, the whole thing would be very different if you are where the votes are, which is which right. is in Philadelphia, um, and. I think, you know, there's a lot of stuff sort of under the surface there about what that is about. Obviously, race is a big part of it. Oh, totally. But it, but, but again, there's um, there's a lot about mainstream American politics that we focus on the sort of the visuals of sort of exurbs and rural areas and that being kind of like, you know, authentically democratic in a way that urban politics is not. Well, and authentically American. I mean, that stems right from our who is the working class and it's still this antiquated vision that, you know, Republicans especially are very eager to prop up, which is that rural people, whereas lower class people in, you know, suburbs or cities are not considered you know when you say working class the subtext is always white you know and it's yeah, like yeah. people of color you know who especially in cities and everything just don't get that kind of same attention or catering to or even goes back to that trope of talking to trump voters and diners like these are the real authentic americans it's like well it's only a section of them but yeah and it goes there's a lot of stuff about you know you know town hall meetings are a, are basically a new england thing mm-hmm. but if not literal town halls, you know, everybody getting together at the gymnasium. That's a very kind of, not necessarily rural, but, you know. To his credit, uh, Julian Castro, who's now a Warren surrogate, was, a lot of the presidential candidates have been asked about the Iowa caucuses in recent weeks. And this was after the the voting had ended, but it was pretty early last night where he just said, this is a terrible system. We should, I mean, and you're a representative of a candidate whose votes are still being counted. So right. guts, yep. gutsy That's from him. Yeah. Well, it seems like a good place to leave it. We um, will be bringing you those results whenever we have them. Uh, one kind of 
maybe disturbing wrinkle is the app developer behind the Iowa caucuses is also running the, or it's being used in the Nevada caucus as well coming up. So I don't know, maybe that won't last by the time we uh, hear from us next, but any closing closing thoughts anyone wants to? Well, just on the Nevada thing, and I hope this is, I mean, it's one of these things, I think I tweeted this last night, I had our refrigerator broke recently and I had to buy a new refrigerator kind of on an emergency basis. And if you buy a refrigerator these days, you know, there are these smart refrigerators where it can be, you know, connected to your smart home and your apps and stuff. And they pitch you on this. And I was, I mean, I'm a sucker for any technology thing, but I was sort of like, what, what can it do? Like, you know, (laughs) actually, what does it do? Alexa, turn on your, I just stuff like, well, the really expensive ones actually have like cameras oh, in so the you refrigerator. Oh, you can see like, oh, I'm at the store. I need to know. Yeah, do I yeah have this like or that? that. Like, okay, like I guess. But I mean, that's pretty. What that's I, valuable things, data. <laughs> things like, oh, run a little lights. Let me pump up the ice a little bit right. from work. You know, like okay, whatever. But this is a case where just get on the phone. Like, phone's pretty solid technology for this, right? And if you just have enough people to to field them. That should work, and it's how they've done it for ages. So this is kind of one of these things like th- maybe this wasn't such a hot idea to have an app because it's not it's, – it's um, there are many things where you say, wow, there's this thing we couldn't do before, but now we have apps, and we can do it. But this you can do. So I, I would imagine – I would hope that what they're going to do is certainly not to try to change – to re, you know rework the app – in a week and a half or two weeks or whatever it is, just have a good phone bank. If it doesn't work, get on the phone. Yeah. No problem. The irony of this is that, sure, I was at fault, but Silicon Valley is also. I guess, you know, it's, 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 it's funny. I really wonder, and I'm sure we'll find out in, you know, relatively near future, just what happened. Um, sometimes these things are user error. If you just, you know, it's a very bad idea if in a crunch, you you have you expect people to use an app they haven't used before. I mean, I I'm not sure who was here at this point, but in 2016, it 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 got um, for many years at TPM we had had you know elections are very hard because you have an election console that is only for that night, and you do tests and stuff, you do live tests and they do data and whatever, but you really cannot. It is very hard to truly approximate all the variables that go into um, when it happens. And obviously, it has to 100% work that time. And before 2016, we'd had a number of years where, God, it, it, I was so nervous. It wasn't going to work. We're going to have this big disaster somehow or another. We pulled it together, and there were bumps and whatever. Somehow, it always worked. 2016, <laughs> early in the evening, it didn't work. We tried to get it to work. It started reporting data wrong. We turned it off. And at a certain point, we just had to make a, a decision like it, this is a disaster, but like it's not working and, and it's not going to work. And we turned it off and it was quickly overtaken by the disaster of the election. <laughs> sure. So we all kind of forgot about it. Um, but man, that brought back memories. And I that bet. is a bad, bad feeling. But here's the thing. It's... It's hard. It, you can only really test something like this once. And and frankly, the idea that they came up with this totally different counting system, which which was probably the bigger issue than the, the three app. different it's, numbers yes, at the same yes, time. Yes. Yeah. And and the app and just figured, you know, it'll all come together. I mean, in <laughs> retrospect, 
not good. <laughs> very bad. Yeah, very bad. All right. Hope everyone catches up on a little bit of sleep and uh, and yeah. Yeah, well, let me remind you that uh, the Josh Marshall Podcast is brought to you by Grady's Cold Brew Ice Coffee. If you're ready to give it a swirl, get 20% off your first order at Grady'sColdBrew.com with promo code TPM. Or you can order Grady's on Amazon.com for next day delivery. And just one final note, uh, please share the podcast with your friends and family and give us a five-star review and say nice things about it. Uh, It helps us out. And... If you're not a TPM Prime member yet, please subscribe it. It really fuels everything we do, including this show. Um, We literally couldn't operate the site without that support. So so join uh, us. uh, uh, Become part of our uh, community. Absolutely. Thanks, everyone. Cool. Bye. Later. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.